Welcome to the North Hills Church Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into unique content created just for you. My name is Ryan Ferguson, and I'm one of the pastors at North Hills Church. And we are taking some time over the next several weeks to go a little bit deeper into our present sermon series called Serpents and Doves. Uh, The title of that series comes from Jesus's words, where he said to his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, and I want you to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And we've been wrestling with the implications of that for us as a church in the middle of um, all that's going on in our culture. And so each week in the sermon series, we're going to follow it up with an additional podcast, answer some of your questions, um, and just take a deeper dive into the topic, hopefully to serve uh, you all well. Uh, So Peter Hubbard is with me again, another one of the pastors here at North Hills. Peter, why don't you uh, just kind of quickly summarize the message from uh, this past week in case any of our listeners haven't been able to hear it yet and they can still follow along. What, What happened this past Sunday? We started in Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And a lot of people, I was thinking, even as I hear that verse, it almost sounds like a threat, you know, like don't be a wuss and and give in in the middle of a trial. Um, But there really is a lot of promise there. If you if you faint in the in the day of crisis your strength is literally being restricted god is pouring out strength on you to enable you in that trial to strengthen you in that trial so that's it's not the time to fold to faint uh to capitulate it's similar to what god says in james 1 count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect. Like, don't restrict the fruit that God wants to bear out in us in this season of crisis, um, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So our vision is that at the end of this pandemic, whatever that means, uh, we as a church in our friendships, in our community, uh, in our relationships, marriages, parenting, working relationships, that we can come out stronger rather than um, feel like we've been decimated. It's a a pretty um, big call. I know I I felt that um, having walked through this as I listened to you preach on Sunday, and I'm sure... Um, I think other brothers and sisters felt that same thing of, um, and where I wanted to kind of piggyback off what you said is I, I appreciate the message because so much, if you just turn on and watch the news and I don't care who your provider is, it is so heavy. It's easy to want to just, uh, run away and hide and, and think it's all over. Um, my mom is in her 70s at home and stopped watching the news because she felt like everybody was just telling her, curl up inside and die. Like there's, there's no hope. Um, but as a follower of Jesus, I appreciate your message that we, we can, we are being given grace and strength to walk through this and come out stronger as a people. So we even invite you who are listening, who maybe haven't heard that sermon, go back, listen to that, and join us believing that God's going to do that um, in us. Um, So for today, uh, since we kind of dealt with uh, 
COVID this past Sunday. Um, I'm really thankful that Beth Milborn has agreed uh, to be with us um, during this podcast and give some of her experience, um, uh, some of her expertise. So real quickly for people who don't know you, Beth, how long you been around North Hills? I started coming to North Hills in 2001. So just a few years, just a, just, just a little bit, Mm -hmm. just around for, um, a while. Um, can you tell us, and this is kind of off the cuff, but real briefly, just kind of your, your burden for people and kind of how that's taken you, um, really around the world. Uh, I, I think that'd be great for people to hear, even as we come into something real specific like COVID to hear your heart for people in general, your love for people. So I think you know what I'm referring to, just your travels and love for people. Um, I'm a nurse by profession. I currently work in the children's emergency room at Greenville Memorial Hospital. I started working at Greenville Memorial in 2001, the same year I started attending North Hills. And um, in the middle of the time since then, I went to Haiti for a couple years and was able to help after the earthquake and then as we dealt with the cholera outbreak there. So public health has definitely been a huge interest of mine. I, in nursing school, I didn't realize how how much it impacted every aspect of nursing, especially emergency nursing. So dealing with a, a pandemic as an emergency nurse has been interesting. I, um, I'm sure that's understatement. Yeah, yes, yes. And I feel like since we're at the beginning and I'm the one wearing a mask, I want to explain why I feel the need to wear a mask. And it's because I, um, I am a vector. I have a high um, probability of getting COVID because I work with COVID positive patients every day. So my wearing a mask is me saving you from my droplets. So... <laughs> No, I, I, and I appreciate that. I think we, I think that's even a conversation that um, we ought to get into even a, a little bit more. But maybe let's let's hold that one. I, I am curious, um, you know, as a as a professional who's put her life into health, um, and I'm going to speak on behalf of Beth here just for a moment, who is passionate about her calling to be there, not just as a nurse but as an ambassador of Jesus to these kids. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing Beth for a long time, and, and I think I can say that I, I know her heart in that calling. Um, I, I would appreciate kind of uh, maybe two sides of this. If you wouldn't mind sharing with people your professional experience of walking through COVID, because I think that's unique to many of us. I don't know what that actually means. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was a nurse, but I, I can, I think I might, but, um, and then even just personally, you walking through it and your season of life, what that's been like, and Peter might interrupt and ask some questions or I might, but just kind of riff on those two things a little bit, your personal and professional experience walking through this pandemic. So when we were introduced to even the term COVID, it was, I think it was still February when we heard about it happening in China and then coming to the U.S. shortly after that and then it becoming a thing in March where it affected every aspect of our lives. And I still remember the day that the tents went up 
in the parking garage at Memorial. And it was this weird, for me personally, excitement. And it's because of my profession, it's hard to even use those terms sometimes. Like, I really enjoy taking care of sick and injured children. It's not that I want them to be sick or injured. It's that they are sick and injured, and I get to take care of them. It's kind of the same thing with when those tents went up in the parking garage. It was this reminiscent feeling of Haiti, where I worked in tents. I lived in tents for two years, and um, just that that feeling of purpose and like I can be part of the solution of this problem mm. so um, that that's just one of the weird things that happened early on and then it turns out that the tents never actually opened um, which for Greenville's a great thing yeah um, that's good news I'm thankful that we never had to use the tents there's been a couple times where we thought why why aren't they open now um, and that's been more recently, but they've taken the tents down since then, and we're dealing with it inside the hospital. What's what's that like right now, just inside the hospital and COVID? So I work on the children's side. It's very, very different than the adult side. Um, our unit is 15 beds. The adult side is just under 100 beds, and um, we see several positive COVID positive patients on the children's side every day. The adult side is seeing 20, 30 every day, admitting about a third of those. Um, the way that the trends of patients go in the, in the emergency department is the summers are the slower times. We have less patients in the summer than the winter, typically. However, July, we were breaking census records of previous years in the winter. We were, um, I remember one day looking at the board and there's 28 admitted patients being held in the adult side of the ER. What, for an emergency room that only has 100 beds, 28 of those beds being filled with patients that are waiting for beds inpatient is a big deal. And um, I know that my coworkers are passionate about taking care of patients well, but when the ER is full and over capacity, it doesn't matter how hard we try, the standard of care is lessened. And mm. so that's where we, we're begging for the community's help in, because it's now August, it's still summer, our numbers are still high. We really need the community's help to continue to flatten the curve. We, our our peak in Greenville in South Carolina is it has hit the top and it's started to come down. We're still in that red zone. We haven't made it back into the yellow zone yet, but we, we desperately as the, as healthcare professionals need the community's help to continue to see that trend go down. Hmm. So um, Peter, do you have any thoughts on that? Anything you would add in there? Yeah, I think it would be helpful maybe to talk about why that has been hard for some people because um, you know for some people who wonder what the like I don't remember a time where medical data was questioned to the extent that it is now and before we explore maybe what's happening right now which you're, you you shared some there I think it would be helpful to explore why 
uh, why there is so much confusion. And my, my perspective has been partly due to a couple factors. One is there was so much that was unknown about this virus early on. So people heard a variety of things, everything from mass to numbers were constantly being altered. Secondly, it hit our state so much later. So therefore people were kind of done with COVID before COVID was done with us. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it left some people very jaded and skeptical and it got politicized very early. So now when people talk, it just seems like they're divided in a way that I haven't seen before regarding m a medical issue. Right. Is that your sense as well? Yes, and I would say that the the medical scientific process has never been scrutinized in real time like it is being done right now. Yeah. Um, with a combination of the 24-hour news cycle where news is reported before it's fact-checked. Yeah. Uh, regularly. Uh, almost every headline has not been fact-checked, it, it seems like. So I have the privilege of seeing the numbers firsthand. I get the emails every day. I can check the dashboard every day. So I know how many ICU patients are admitted at the North Greenville Hospital. And I know that ANMED is over capacity, not currently, but two weeks ago it was over capacity. And Spartanburg was at about 80% and Memorial was at 95%. I know those numbers because I'm on the inside. The community doesn't necessarily know those numbers. And they're also very weary of hearing about it. Mm -hmm. So even if those numbers were shared on the local news, they aren't necessarily believed. And in my personal experience, it's been my personal stories, me doing my very best to present truth with grace that has changed minds. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. So actually hearing, hey, this is actually what's going on at Spartanburg Hospital. This is actually what's going on at AnMed. Let's... In, in one way, l let's just take what's going on in our community, which I think is a great Christian call here to, uh, I mean, as simply as love our neighbor, uh, to hear, okay, this is actually what's going on in the hospital. Whatever you think about some of these areas, let's at least see the reality of it. I, I would add one, uh, I am by no means uh, an, an expert on this, but I would add one thought on the the, the confusion, and Beth said something similar, but it, it's it's as if we want to pick and choose where we interpret COVID from. Um, so if you interpret it only through New York City at its zenith, th that is one story. If you only interpret it through Montana, or where my parents were from, Newfoundland, where they had one confirmed case and shut everything down so nobody would get it, um, it, it, it alters the way you view it. But even within that, I think the Christian call to love comes in and you hear of doctors who have watched 10, 20, 30 people die of this. And I think it does help you kind of reorient and go, okay, let's just view this as, as people in our community and even our small community of North Hills church um, and how we can serve them. And specifically, I'd love for us to talk about one area that may not come up, it's definitely not politicized or Instagrammed or Facebooked. Um, but we were talking beforehand and kind of threw this in. I think the 
the experience of walking through this is different for me, my wife, and three kids who, who've lived in our home during all of quarantine, and Beth, who is not married, who is also a medical professional and has those additional um, factors on her. So if you're willing, Beth, I, I, I was wondering if maybe you could speak into that a little bit, like the, the different experience. You know, uh, one of the, the things about community which is such a churchy word and an important word, maybe even overused word, it, it, we felt it maybe more poignantly than ever, our desperate need for each other. So to, again, give us a tender heart towards everything going on with COVID, no matter what we believe about it, but a tender heart towards people. What has that experience of quarantine been like for you walking through this? Um, I have a, a few thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> Good. As I was, so I take my platform, whatever that is, very seriously. And as I was preparing for this talk, I, um, I went back and read all of my posts that I've posted over the last four months, five months. And I'm so thankful that I can go back and say, oh, I've been consistent about that. And I've been consistent about that. And as things have changed, um, I've adjusted. But give grace first is definitely a theme because through this and through so many other things, we cannot contextualize anyone else's experience or where they land and how they do things. We all have thousands of points of input and it feels like we have millions at this point where I'm getting the information from the hospital. I'm also getting the information from the CDC and I'm getting the information from the North Hills elders and I'm getting information from friends and family. And so I land at this one spot where I think wearing a mask is important or I think quarantining from this group of friends is important or whatever it is. Like you can look at me from the outside and say, why is she making that choice? Well, you'll never know why I've come to that spot. So I ask, I beg people to give me grace first and I will try my best yeah. to give you grace first. That's great. Can I, can I tell an example of that, yeah. which yeah. I think it, it, that's so well said, Beth, because I had a conversation a few weeks ago with a family in our church who all have serious medical conditions, and so they've had to isolate themselves for, for good reason. But they, they were just so kind to share how much they're struggling when they watch the live stream and see so many people without masks. Because for them, they interpret that as we, do, we, we care more about our freedom than we care about you mm. and, and your ability to come and worship. But they said that very graciously. They mm. said, help us with that mm. because we know that may not be a right assumption. And I just was so grateful because we were able to process that and explore, well, maybe there are other reasons why they're not people are not wearing a mask than that they don't love you or they want you to be sick or they don't care. Um, and we talked about some of those other reasons, which are important reasons to consider. But what I was so grateful for is even when they're looking at their brothers and sisters making a different choice than they have to make, they were even though their mind was being pummeled with certain thoughts, they were saying, help us think differently. 
so that we can assume the best about our brothers and sisters. And, and to me, that is so beautiful when the body of Christ coming from such, you're coming from a medical professional perspective, they're coming from a very vulnerable medical position. Others are coming from different perspectives. But when we come and esteem the others better than ourselves, wanting to assume the best and saying, help me, help me think clearly, mm-hmm. that, that was so encouraging to me. And yeah. I, I think it's okay for us to even make that a, a, to come out stronger. I think we have to have that attitude, not just about masks. It preserves relationships. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Just in that, like, I can disagree with somebody. I think we've lost the art of respectfully disagreeing with somebody and moving on in relationship. And this is a huge, huge point in history where we're going to lose friendships over this stuff unless we're intentional about not. I've had um, at least three conversations where uh, of people in our church who have called me Ryan what do we do because how we're handling covid is dividing our family and and we we have a kid and we're not we're not insane but we're going to be careful and we're asking others and that's impinging on freedom and um, so I, I think it's great for us to pause on this point and maybe this is the best point of the podcast is calling everyone um, as as Beth said, to, to give grace, as Peter said, to esteem others as better than yourself. Um, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, that love believes the best, and it's okay to ask questions. Why are you doing this? I know I, I experienced um, an interaction where I, I had a, a mask on, and as I interacted over it, my motives were being told to me. And then I was able to say, no, my, my whole motive here is, is very specific. I want to be able to pray with everyone if they need me to pray with them. That's it. I don't care about left or right, this name, that name. So um, I think as we kind of wrap up this, the mask part of this discussion, we, we as a church, and I think Peter and I can speak on behalf of the elders, I think Beth spoke very eloquently on, the, on behalf of anybody who follows Jesus, um, let's love through this and not assume motive or assign motive, but ask questions and be able to disagree um, and give each other's grace. I didn't address the, the single part. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. So let's do that. Let me just throw that out there. Um, I'm sure if you if you follow me on social media, you've seen pictures of me with other people. So I have had to do my best to make wise decisions to preserve my mental emotional spiritual and physical health health covers all of those areas and i think as this discussion of health is so prevalent we have to include mental health as a church we've we've talked a lot about how the christian culture is very bad at addressing mental health so Right now, we have the opportunity to say, hey, we're not just talking about physical health. We're also talking about emotional, mental, spiritual health. So in order to preserve my mental health, I've had to create my own little pod of people because I don't have a husband and children. Um, I have friends that are willing to risk being my close friend right now. And 
I do have to take that into consideration that I am the risk factor. So that has been very challenging in making those wise decisions of they're, they're taking on the risk as well as I am giving the risk, mm. if that makes sense. But doing porch visits, doing parking lot coffee, finding those creative ways to still have community. Porch visits have been a lifeline for me and people that are willing to open their back gate and let me walk through it. Um, I'm, so, I'm eternally thankful for that. I think uh, I really appreciate you giving us that perspective. I love that God gave you the wisdom to kind of establish those parameters for yourself too and those people who would take that risk. I would love to invite um, our listeners to pray for people that are in the medical profession, not even just those who are necessarily frontline with COVID, but I was talking to another doctor in our church who several of their friends have made very kind and loving decisions towards them of, we can't take that risk, and have communicated that, and and the relationship is preserved, but that doesn't mean it isn't hard for that doctor and his family. Um, and, and again, I think as we try to take a deeper dive into Christianity and COVID and wise as serpent, harmless as a dove, it's great for us to have tender hearts towards people whose experience I don't have that experience. When he told me that, my heart was just like, I hadn't even thought of that as something that was going to happen. So I think that's a a great nugget for us to pray for our health professionals that are at um, North Hills. Peter, I want to ask you, um, as we kind of consider next step ministry, we kind of communicated last Sunday, like community is part of the church. We have to figure this out together, whatever that looks like. How, how do we do that as a people um, without alienating these different views and different opinions about wh- what's going on? Like, how do we lead people through that? Can I put you on the spot for that type of a question? Definitely. I, I think if we are listening to what the, the word of God makes so clear, like esteeming others better than ourselves, um, doing unto others as we would have them do unto us. We're, we're going to enter into these relationships with a willingness to defer, a willingness to learn. So just like Beth exemplified, you know, you're saying to these individuals, where are you guys, you know, and what are you comfortable with? And if we're, if we're doing that and we're listening, we're actually communicating with one another and respecting the person, even if we may not agree with everything they stand for or they with everything we stand for. Like learning the difference, as Beth said, in respecting people, loving people, even if we don't all agree on everything. I think that sets us up to create these circles of relationships where we are both being sensitive to what people are comfortable with and what is wise medically. And at the same time, we're nurturing one another so that we can go the distance. I remember when we were first told we may need to close for a couple weeks and just thinking, I don't know if this is going to be a couple weeks. And now we're looking at what, six months, eight, seven months. And you can do anything for a couple of weeks, 
But the Lord has taught us so much about relationships because it has been month after month after month and learning how to build those relational circles that are wise and safe and may look different for like I know people who are meeting online, people who are meeting on porches, porch prayer meetings are a lot of our women are having people who, um, you know, meet in parking lots, people who uh, uh, gather around bonfires, but with distance, you know, just so many creative ways to say we value our relationships. We can't ignore those, but we're going to have to find different ways to to do them. Uh, let me let me push even further into that. Let's let's talk about that from uh, an elder perspective. So, real quick, um, we have some elders who've been tasked specifically with um, our response to COVID. So, like, how are we making the decisions? Like, what are some of the parameters we're putting in place for things that we are choosing to do, like our gatherings? Um, again, if people didn't hear some things that happened on Sunday, maybe what we're doing with our evening service, um, any other gatherings that take place, what are some of those parameters we're doing, both with that theological basis of esteeming each other, but then practically we're saying this is how we're going to operate as a people here. What are some of those things, Peter? Yeah, the the elder team over that, which in, includes a doctor who stays right up up with the latest COVID data has determined we will, like our worship service services, everyone knows, we, we will gather with social distancing, masks recommended. We Our services are shorter than normal. We sing at the very end. We, we then go out of the room and fellowship outside if fellowship um, and the rooms are, are cleaned. So if you take those parameters and then apply them to the different ministries, that's what we're looking toward in the fall. There are some age differences depending on the age of like children or other adult ministries. But generally speaking, uh, the elder team has empowered our executive team with the team leads to make those specific applications to the various ministries so that we can go forward with our ministries while still being wise yeah. is the goal. Good. Yeah. So we're looking uh, at simple recommendations like time, social distancing, masks recommended. I, the leadership here are um, uh, wearing masks until you get to where you're seated and then you can take that off. Um, of course, regular hand washing all kinds of um, the medical advice. I forgot to mention the fourth oh, service. Yes, fourth yeah, service. That's one change this Sunday starting. Our fourth service is a mask required service. That is different. A lot of people wear masks in the fourth service. Our goal though is to create a, a service for two reasons. One is our renewal ladies are in a residential program and we wanna really make sure they're cared for. And then two, there are people who would feel more comfortable coming to church when, if they knew everyone was masked. And, and after that announcement, just so um, people in hindsight hear this, um, we've already received um, feedback on that. Thank you so much. My, my daughter has this particular ailment, and, and we, we are much more able to come and participate freely, less fear with that. And again, our driving motivation for making that choice is what? Love. Love. 
we just want to love people. I can give up my rights of a mask, a piece of fabric over my face for their sake in a heartbeat um, to come and love on them. So let me thank you both. This is not uh, an easy conversation by any means because of how much pressure we're living it. We're being told how to think about it by multiple sources. But thank you so much both for your personal experience, your professional experience, serving our community, um, and because I'm your friend, because of your heart. I I love your heart for people so much. It is a challenge to me. Um, Thank you all uh, for taking the time to listen. We just encourage you, love your neighbor, think well of others. Um, We're going to continue to do this podcast every week following up our sermon. Next week's sermon is on politics and social media. Good luck with that one, Peter. Um, We really want to answer your questions that that you may have about that sermon topic. So uh, Sunday during our services, um, up on the screens, and also if you view it online, you're going to see a number that you can text or an email uh, for Justin. If you have questions about what Peter says or you want to dive deeper into it, let us know, and we'll answer some of those questions in our podcast um, next week. Um, Until then, thanks for listening, and blessings on all of you.